0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola.
1: All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Oh, I didn't open this, the talk and text line, but you can do that and I will see it. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tragoski, joining me as he's been a bunch of Fridays now. A pretty good run here we've got going on, Trigoski.
2: It's a good run, Rick. I mean, one thing, I, I, one positive out of 2020, we can get this Friday thing going.
1: Yeah, the Friday thing is pretty consistent. I will say it's so <laughs> consistent that Eric from Sparta called before the show ready to ask you a question. And he All said right. it was about guns and something else. Very not related to anything particular so we'll see. I told him he I told him let us set up the show Eric and then call me back after that first news break. So just get ready for I wish I would have remembered the other half of that uh, <laughs> equation. No. You could is that way you could get thinking about it. You know, you could do yeah. your research on what wherever guns and mayors maybe it was that. No, I don't know. Um yeah, some of the things we want to talk about uh, the mayoral race here in Lacrosse. Ron Johnson and the Senate vote for just giving people $1,200. Can't, apparently can't do that. And and just maybe the Senate in general and, and the oddity that is the Senate. Um, but before we get to that, Indiana Jones is making a comeback. 78-year-old Harrison Ford is... Uh, is, is ready to make, I don't even know if it's the 6th Indiana Jones, the 5th Indiana Jones, the last one was about aliens, and it had that, that uh, oh, now I forgot his name, the kid from Transformers, who's not a kid anymore, and he's a very eccentric person himself, but uh, Jogoski, 78-year-old Indiana Jones, is
2: that, are you down with that? I just, is there a demand for this, Rick? Like, I don't see it, that there's you know, a bunch of people out there who are just waiting and waiting for a, another Indiana Jones movie, especially. Well, I but but this is kind of my take, Rick. I mean, we elected a 78-year-old president, so I guess we can have a 78-year-old Indiana Jones.
1: Shia La- Buff, that's the other person I was thinking of. So the the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skulls. Spoiler alert, people! It was about aliens. So I guess you figure that out pretty quickly. But uh, the ending, I
2: thought, I thought that movie was just okay, personally, and that's why I guess I'm not going to be maybe first in line for this fifth movie. I mean in that in that
1: movie, Indiana Jones. It was hard to believe Indiana Jones being Indiana Jones in that movie. And that was 12 years ago as a 66-year-old. And now he's a 78-year-old. So maybe, you know, they tried young Indiana Jones for a while, that TV show. And, uh, you know, so, you know what? We'll do young Indiana Jones. Eventually that actor would grow old and maybe you could just continue the thing. I think they're trying to do that with Marvel movies. And they make, like, young, uh, you know, X-Men and young Spider-Man and stuff like that so they can grow old. Uh, they, uh, although uh, DC movies, they they just make you know what? Let's have old Batman, and then we'll just reboot Batman, and he's old already. So I don't know what they're doing there. Um, but we but we have
2: the thing, here's the thing though, Rick. Like people <clears throat> my students' age, like twenty somethings, or people in their late teens, you know, they love they love the Marvel. Universe, Like, the Marvel franchises are hot among people that age. I I don't think I've heard anyone my students' age ever bring up Indiana Jones. I I just think that, you know, it's something that kind of people look back on as, uh, you know, movies that we've watched in the past. But, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, does the younger generation really even care about Indiana Jones?
1: Is it too is it too much to do with history and, and and kids just that age just don't care about history and not that it's even relevant history but it's more of a it's an action adventure movie about history as opposed to you know nonsensical uh, superpowers and whatnot we're trying to walk maybe, we're trying to walk the line here in a in an age where no there are there is no walking the line which we'll get into later
2: well maybe it's just not like cool in the sense that Batman and Spider Man are cool. I just maybe it's just lacking that coolness factor.
1: We we definitely have a shortage of action stars. I feel like maybe maybe and maybe we're too old. And, but if, if you throw out the the uh, the superhero movies, Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford seventy eight, Tom Cruise is fifty eight. He's doing Mission Impossible seven and eight and yelling at people for not wearing a mask. Why? Because he's fifty eight years old. Uh, the Rock is forty eight. Liam Neeson is sixty eight. And Hugh Jackman Hugh Jackman who's is Wolverine is 52. So, um, you know, we don't have a a super uh, a, like a action hero star in, in their 30s. That's really weird.
2: You wonder if those action adventure movies are, you know, kind of losing their appeal and it's more like the superhero movies now. It's more sort of like the different genres and and that old like action adventure style, Indiana Jones style movie is just kind of losing its appeal
1: yeah we need well i mean losing its appeals when when you bring 78 year old harrison ford i mean he was hard <laughs> to believe as an old man in in the latest star wars movie when he spoiler alert he dies in, in one of the last star wars movies uh sorry if you've missed it but uh you know it's kind of like man harrison ford looks pretty old and i think he wears an earring too in his everyday life so that's weird
2: well, Rick, in the Indiana Jones movie that came out 12 years ago, you could tell that he was getting up there. Yeah,
1: it is a little weird. And then The Rock is in these movies, and he's he's jacked as all can be, but uh, he, he looks a little strange, too. He's kind of like an old man, but still super jacked, so I don't know. Dwayne Johnson, who's probably going to run for president in 2024, right? Do you ever hear those rumors?
2: Oh, I hear those rumors, and you know, I think I think he'd be a pretty good candidate personally.
1: It would. Would The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, a former Miami Hurricanes football player turned action star, super movie villain, and then hero, uh, would he? Would he make? Would he be a Republican or a Democrat? Because that's all we need to know.
2: I have no idea, but that truly is the only piece of information we need to make a judgment on him nowadays, right, Rick?
1: Well, he supported Joe Biden, I know that, but you know, we're we're living in this weird world where you know, a lot of Republicans supported Joe Biden just to to kind of turn the tables here on on what the you know, the last 4 years have been.
2: That's right, Rick. I mean, we saw a decent number of Republicans splitting their tickets in the sense that They voted Joe Biden top of the ticket, but then they voted Republican for those down-ballot races. So for, like, Congress and state legislature, they voted Republican. So we did see a certain—it wasn't a huge number, but we did see a decent number of Republicans splitting their tickets in that way.
1: And that's why I think when we look at this Georgia Senate race in terms of flipping the Senate to Democrats, I think it's pretty unrealistic that Georgia is going to flip to Democrats because— A lot of those Republicans in Georgia just voted for Biden and then voted for the Republican senators, and that's kind of why we're in this race still.
2: That's the million-dollar question for Democrats. These suburbanites where they've seen real growth um in the Trump years these suburbanites who have really moved towards the Democratic Party in the Trump years the big question is are the Democrats kind of like renting them or have they really shifted long term to the Democratic Party and I think the Georgia Senate race will clue us into the answer there you know is this just sort of a suburbanites are you know, rebelling against Donald Trump so they're moving from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party just for the Trump years, or is it gonna be a longer term thing? I, I I think the jury's still out on that, but we'll probably get clued into the answer when we get the Georgia Senate race is uh done in early January.
1: And you it's funny you say it's the million dollar question. I would say it's the hundreds of million dollar question, right? The way these <laughs> things are burnt. Per- Man, we need to like cap some of this stuff. But all right, that's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Anthony Chagoski. You like how I I weaved Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford talk into a Senate race in Georgia? It's pretty good, right?
2: Incredible. Incredible radio. <laughs>
1: all right, we're gonna be back in a minute. Brad's gotta do the news. It's Andy Williams Friday. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor. Anthony Trigoski is on. One week from Christmas, Trigosky. Are y'all done shopping?
2: No, and <laughs> my spouse is giving me plenty of grief over that, I'll have you now, Rick. Oh no. What what why is
1: why is that? Because you because she she doesn't hasn't found her present yet.
2: Well, it's because she is a very do-it ahead of time. <laughs> in other words way ahead of time oh. type of person. So like she's got she usually has her shopping done by Thanksgiving. And you know, I I'm a weekend before Christmas kind of person.
1: Yeah, you're like my little brother. Christmas Eve he's texting me, "Hey, what do you want? I'm at the <laughs> store." <laughs> I'm like, "So you're at Walmart." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's fine, whatever, I guess. Uh, but yeah, a week to go. Obviously, I think I think that's one bit of news that everyone knows. We're going to talk about Ron Johnson here and the, w- the, what he did at the Senate and why. I think I just it, it seems a little uh, a little weird. But Eric from Sparta, as we previewed earlier in the show, is calling in. Eric, you're on with Trogowski. Go ahead.
3: Okay, first of all, I love Ron Johnson. I hope he runs for another term. Okay. Anyway, I have a question for you about uh, vaccines. Rick, I said guns and vaccines. Vaccines. yeah, My bad. Now, what, what's going on with the vaccines? They all seem to be going to Madison and Milwaukee. And when the gunners haven't seen them, I call it Toma V.A. because I'm a veteran. I go over there. If they haven't seen them. They've been waiting for it and stuff like that. You think that is because Tony Evers is sending them all to the uh, east side of the state, the people who elected them? All right. I, w- I can't wait to get one, okay? I know the health care workers come first in, in this. I'm in uh Oh,
1: folks, home not get them So I I, get them. I, I, I will say I, this, uh Eric Governor Tony Evers said today. The state was told yesterday it will be receiving about fourteen thousand six hundred less vaccines. Uh They were supposed to get forty nine thousand seven hundred. They're going to get thirty five one hundred. So, and we, I don't know if we have a, a a good reason why we're getting less vaccines. Minnesota. I call I call News
3: I I Channel Eight, and they call they call the and say the same thing carson has hasn't a damn thing yeah but you no governor evers is sending them to the people who uh, elected him but the... that's exactly what's going on but
1: but you're 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 pointing the finger at evers here when the the, the, state, the state is getting it. the right, federal well, government we're, we're not going to have a conversation all right the state is getting less vaccines from the government or pfizer i don't know the government is 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 sending us fourteen thousand six hundred less vaccines. So you know, however you want to categorize that, uh, Winona got some vaccines today. So so there's that. I guess you know, Democratic Governor Tim Walls giving uh, Winonans giving all the people that voted for him in Winona the the vaccine. So he, that's his. That was his district in Congress.
2: <laughs> well, Lacrosse is a blue area, uh, but I I I mean I get what eric is saying i mean the most populated areas are going to get the vaccines just kind of logically speaking but eau claire got uh some vaccines the other day and you know who who knows really what the approach is to determining how the vaccines are distributed but as you noted rick there was a big shortage compared to what the evers administration expected and what what they got so they received far fewer doses of the vaccine than was expected. And so, of course, that's going to affect how they roll this thing out.
1: I just like the idea that Eric is calling all the news outlets in the cross complaining that the VA doesn't have his vaccine. That seems what's what's happening here. <laughs> just picking on you, Eric. It's just I'm just kidding. Um, all right, is the talk and text line. Let's see here. Uh, Nick texted in, we were having a conversation about very old uh, action heroes. We don't have a, a, re- a new crop. Uh, he said he might be making a comeback like Clint Eastwood did. He could be training his great-grandson to take over as the great Indiana Jones. So uh, so I, I I don't think Harrison Ford can make a comeback. There's no comeback for Harrison Ford. He died in Star Wars. He needs to die in this Indiana Jones, right? Tchaikovsky needs to die in this movie.
2: Well, I mean, you you might have just blown up the plot there for this fifth Indiana Jones movie coming out in 2022. I mean, that that might be the conclusion of this movie and and then maybe that's kind of like the big finish for this series.
1: Yeah, and you know what's sad too is his in in the movie his dad in the movie dies. So, uh and now I forgot. Man, I am I I am losing my mind. The the, the very famous actor that just died who plays Indiana Jones' dad in the movie. And, and I'm going to get 19 texts now. He's the guy in Jeopardy. He's Saturday Night Live makes fun of him in Jeopardy all the time. Uh, 007, one of the best 007 actors. Nothing, Tragoski? You're not going to help no,
2: me? No, uh, any movie trivia, I, I'm <laughs> you're just totally useless. Political to. science nerd.
1: Here we go. I got it. Sean Connery. There we go. Connery, yeah. <laughs> Man, you're terrible at movie trivia. Because I mean, I am too, <laughs> but you're... you're Way worse if you couldn't figure that one out. Um, <laughs> political science nerd. All right. I want to talk about Ron Johnson. He's a Wisconsin senator. Eric uh, from Sparta loves Ron Johnson. Hope he runs for re-election. Uh, maybe he'll run for for, uh, for uh, governor in, in Wisconsin. That was a rumor at one time. But today the yeah. Senate had this up-down vote, they called it, um, to just simply give $1,200 checks to everyone making $78,000 or less, essentially. I would argue someone's making $78,000. Mm, eh, do you really need $1,200? I don't know. But whatever, that was that's the number they come up with. And then uh, the Senate has to approve this. In a time when our country is more divided than ever before, the Senate decided with Bernie Sanders and uh, Hawley, I forget his first name, uh, Republican and a Democrat, so you call it bipartisan, they decide to do an up-down vote where 100% of the senators need to vote up for twelve hundred dollar checks to be passed out to everybody and Ron Johnson gave the thumbs down and and that kills the entire thing so hey why why would the Senate this is the one this is this is where the Senate decides you know what we're gonna vote on this now and we're gonna try to do it where we need a hundred percent of the people to vote on it uh it just seems like uh is this is this all for show
2: it is Rick and what happened was that Josh Hawley, a Republican senator from Missouri. Tried to get unanimous consent for his plan, as you said, $1,200 for individuals, uh, $2,400 for couples, $500 per child. So basically exact same as the CARES Act that was passed last spring in terms of direct payment. So this procedure, unanimous consent, is exactly what it sounds like. Every single senator has to consent to this plan for it to pass, and so any one senator can object to this plan and kill it. And I think people were interested in, and many political observers took note, that the person who happened to object was Ron Johnson and any senator can object so it's just again it just takes one senator to object under this procedure to kill this proposal but I, I think many people were interested in the fact that it was ron johnson because he faces a reelection potentially if he decides to run again in 2022 and this idea of direct cash payments is very popular so i think a lot of political observers, certainly people on the Congress beat in Washington, D.C., they were a bit surprised that Ron Johnson was sort of like the face or he became the face of killing this proposal, given that it's a popular plan and given that he potentially is going to be facing the voters in less than two years.
1: Is this a sign that Ron Johnson isn't going to be facing the voters in two years, nor would he be running for governor because these are very unpopular things ron johnson is doing as we see the state elect a democratic governor elect joe biden electing democrats in statewide elections uh i feel like ron johnson's not going to be running for senate in in two years or governor
2: it's totally possible that he could bow out of the senate race and not run for re-election it's also possible that he could opt to run for governor, and that would just be a a doozy of a race if we had Tony Evers running for re-election against Ron Johnson. But it's unclear exactly what Ron Johnson's political future holds at this point. I will say, though, Rick, he has been incredibly consistent in terms of his public commentary, his public comments on the coronavirus. He has always and been very vocal about this, he's always felt that the nation overreacted to the coronavirus, that the efforts by the government to stop the spread went too far, that they did more harm than good, that we just went overboard in how we reacted to this pandemic and and he's said that all along, so you know, I guess I wasn't totally shocked, I guess I wasn't as shocked as kind of some of these d c reporters were that Johnson was the person to object to this plan because Johnson has been very critical of the response to the coronavirus pandemic all along and has felt that federal aid is not necessary that we just have to kind of reopen things get back to normal and this thing this pandemic will just kind of sort itself out
1: yeah i i feel like the republicans and and in and, and probably both houses i mean there's going to be some fights within the houses but And I say houses, I mean parties. Uh, I feel like they're, they, they know what they're doing. They have a plan. So they, when they ask, they, they're going to ask, hey, what senator wants to be the fall guy here? And Ron Johns is like, I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll thumbs down this. It doesn't, you know, maybe just because he's been consistent there, but maybe because he, he can take the lump in two years because he's not going to run. That's kind of my theory. Another theory here I have, Trugoski.
2: Yeah, Rick. I mean, I think that it's, it's, It's totally unclear to me if he's going to run for re-election. I have no idea. But what I do know is that this is going to be one of the most watched Senate races in the country in two years, just because of how competitive elections in Wisconsin always seem to be. So whether or not Ron Johnson runs, it's going to be a highly competitive Senate election. And I think that it's going to be interesting to watch because, I mean, Ron Johnson has you know, not acted like you would expect a person seeking re-election in a highly competitive state to act. And, I mean, he gives, you know, staunch, staunch. I mean, he's been one of President Trump's most outspoken supporters in Congress, and he's been vocally opposed to really much of any efforts to respond to this pandemic and has, like I said, you know, consistently said that we just we overreacted as a country to this pandemic. And so it just doesn't feel like the rhetoric of someone who is running for reelection in a competitive state. But again, we don't know really what to expect from him in two years.
1: The way the the way we're doing these things now with the election, shouldn't we already have candidates? for Senate in Wisconsin? Shouldn't we all, like, shouldn't there be a Democrat out there already running? What, like, what else they got to do? Like, start running for Senate right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, Rick, there is a, uh, and his his name escapes me, he was a, a county executive, and he has jumped into the race on the Democratic side. But, you know, a county executive isn't going to be a top-tier candidate there's going to be a great deal of discussion among some of these statewide elected officials like Josh Call and Mandela Barnes and Sarah Gabluski, some of these statewide Democratic office holders. And, hey, you know, we've been trying to build up some buzz for our potential Ron Kind bid. Uh, of course, we have, we have zero inside information about that, so this is just blind speculation. But, I mean, there, there are going to be some big names in the I, field on the Democratic side reflecting the expectation that this is going to be a competitive election and a, and a pretty darn winnable one for the Democrats.
1: All right, got to get to Scott's comment in the news. I will say Ron Kine didn't totally poo-poo our idea that he was running for Senate. He just poo-pooed the idea that we talk about it the day after he gets elected, essentially, and uh, Mayor he Tim-
2: didn't deny it. He didn't <laughs> no, deny he it. He
1: didn't deny it. Mayor Tim Cabot, <laughs> I did ask him that, and he squashed that idea. He is not running for Senate. He said so. <laughs> um, all right, we got to go. Uh, just for, for Scott's comment on the news, not not for the hour, but we'll be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. It's Andy Williams Friday just for uh, UW lacrosse political science professor Anthony Tregoski. All he does is listen to Andy Williams. You got a CD player in your car, right? And it's just got Andy Williams' greatest Christmas hits.
2: You got to help me out, Rick. Uh, What is a CD?
1: (laughs) You you know what a CD is. Give me a
2: break. (laughs) I do. I do.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's funny. I do have like a whole stack of, uh, CDs at my house, like a, like a tower, a CD tower. And I'm always, I always look at it and I go, I could just throw this thing in the garbage.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I I do go back to cassettes. So that's, you know, that's an indication of how old I am. You know, I, I, I was around for the entire CD era. So I, I do. I, I am aware of uh, what a CD is and what it looks like.
1: I have memories of my older brother, who's five years older than me, having a record. It was the Ghostbusters soundtrack. That's the first, <laughs> the first memory I have of of music is my brother having the ghost in, a, in that giant record, a Ghostbusters soundtrack. So that's how bad. Hey, that's how far ago.
2: I, I can think of worse ones to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, the only song I know on there right now is the "There's Something Strange in the Neighborhood." <laughs> Uh, I don't know what other songs are on there. I could look it up. If I had a producer, I'd have them look it up and play the songs. But we were talking before the break uh, about Ron Johnson. It seems like he's taking one for the team and doing the thumbs down on just giving us $1,200 checks. See Ron, I would I would appreciate it if you didn't thumbs down that, and we got twelve hundred dollar checks because it's Christmas time, and I could use that. And other people, I I haven't lost my job, but other people probably could use that for other things. I'm going to use it on myself for myself for Christmas presents. Other people maybe rent food stuff like that. But but the idea that the, the Senate was going to do this, uh, Ron Johnson did say. Uh, in in doing the thumbs down and just giving people twelve hundred dollars, he did say that part of his reasoning was he's worried about. Wait for it, everybody! The national debt. Dun dun dun! I can't believe it. The Republicans have flipped again. Are we going to do this for four years? Are we going to worry about the the trillion dollar debt now? Is that is that how this is going to work?
2: Well, Rick, uh, under the Trump administration, and this is just these are just the facts that the national debt. Grew substantially under the Trump administration, and not just during the pandemic. I mean, uh, of course, the pandemic has caused the deficit and the debt to go up at a faster rate. I just look at the size of the CARES package from last spring, and you know the increase in government spending to deal with this pandemic, plus the loss of tax revenue from businesses that are struggling and from people who are out of work, but. It is absolutely the case, though, that that the debt was going up even under a pretty strong economy during the first three years of the Trump administration. It, you could argue a very strong economy, and that is unusual for the debt to go up at a faster pace as the economy is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. As we have unemployment at about three percent, you know that's usually the time when you try to push the brakes and you know take down the debt you know when you have a hot economy that's typically i mean the conventional wisdom is that's when you try to reduce the deficit and cut into the debt but that is not what happened and under the pandemic it has just been accelerating further the growth of this national debt and now it's to the tune of over 27 trillion dollars
1: yeah, it grew by seven trillion under Donald Trump. The CARES Act was two point two trillion dollars. Uh, Ron Johnson also voted for the seven hundred forty-one billion dollar defense budget, which always gets great support across all the aisles and all the people and all the government. I almost, I almost except Bernie Sanders. Um, why, why does the defense budget, even though it's just, it's like the combination of the last 10 countries that you know the 10 highest defense budget countries combined is our one defense budget why does that always just get unanimous almost unanimous we're good just approve it we're good 741 billion dollars
2: a potential explanation rick is because defense spending is sprinkled across so many congressional districts and so many states and so everyone gets in on the action in a sense where You know, you get that defense spending benefiting so many different districts, so many different states, that if you cut that back, then the question is, well, whose congressional district is going to lose that spending? Whose state is going to lose that spending? And so there's tremendous political pressure to just keep the spending going on defense in part because that spending benefits so many different congressional districts in so many different states.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to point the finger and go, hey, look at, you know, Ron Kind votes for it, but hey, Ron Kind voted against troops. That's essentially, that's like the easiest way to look at it. Uh, Joe's calling in. He wanted to talk about Senator Ron Johnson a little bit. Joe, go ahead. You're on the air.
2: Yeah, yeah I was going to talk about that, but I wanted to bring up, um, under the Obama administration, the debt
0: increased substantially. <laughs> Under Obama, and he doubled the debt. So, and then also he also said that we were never going to grow over two percent. That was
2: going to be the new norm.
1: Uh, it's it's really hard to hear, Joe, but I think he got his point across. But Obama, so there there we go, Trzaskowski.
2: Well, I, he's correct that the debt did grow under Obama. Now, the deficit did decrease under Obama, and so what what I mean by that is the rate at which the debt increased went down during Obama's term, and then it went back up under Donald Trump in part because of the Trump tax cuts. And, you know, people can argue for the merits of these tax cuts, but one of the facts about the Trump tax cuts is that they did – cause a substantial increase in the debt. And so you could argue that it was worth it. You could argue that we still should have done those tax cuts, that the benefits outweighed the costs. But one of the facts, and it just is a fact, is that those tax cuts under Donald Trump did accelerate the growth of the national debt. And overall, we have had a real acceleration in the growth of the national debt to just a really alarming rate at, at this point.
1: I did see it. There was a a study that just came out that said fifty years of tax cuts for the rich failed to uh, trickle down to uh, the poor. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe I couldn't believe what I was reading. I read that headline the other day. I'm like, trickle down economics doesn't work. Unbelievable.
2: <laughs> well, Rick, this has been a matter of great controversy for a number of years now this idea that if you cut taxes for businesses and if you cut taxes for people at the top, then ultimately the benefits will trickle down. And I think at at this point, there's strong evidence to indicate that those tax cuts really do drive up the deficit and the debt.
1: The evidence, though, when you say trickle down... There is no there is no defining trickle here, Chagoski. I think the trickle will come over the next 50, 100 years. It's a very slow trickle. The poor will eventually feel these benefits from the Reagan tax cuts maybe in the next 20, 25 years.
2: We just have to be patient, I
1: guess. Yeah, we. if we wanted to define trickle, then we need, as the government, needs to define trickle before we enact such things. Uh, Trumple Tom's calling in. treble Tom, go ahead.
4: Okay, well, i got lots of comments, but the first one will be on trickle-down economics. Uh, when you take, uh, first of all, Reagan wasn't the first one. Uh, John Kennedy was the first one, and then Reagan did it, and then Bush did it, and Trump did it. What happens is these do expand the big picture, and that money does trickle down. Now, it maybe doesn't make the poor people wealthy, but it gives them incredible opportunities, and I'll give you a quick one. John Menard common ordinary person now employs thousands and thousands of people with actually very good jobs, and that is because there was more demand and that whole thing plays out in a way that is uh, beneficial to the lower income or the middle class. Uh, I, I was mainly calling to tell, in my opinion, on Ron Johnson, Ron Johnson is one of the finest, probably the best politician ever elected in the state of Wisconsin, ever. Okay, why? He is brilliant. Why? He, he is, why? You want to know why?
1: Just give me a reason. Besides, brilliant.
4: Okay. Yes, okay. Well, first of all, he is brilliant. Second, he follows the Constitution. He stands up for what is right. He uh, he hesitates to uh, pay out these heavy uh, payments to every. Person now and because he knows that in America we're supposed to have taxation we're not supposed to have taxation without representation that's what they're doing they're taking this money from my grandchildren and all future generations and the future generations are going to have to pay interest on that $1,200 payment forever and that's not right we need to suck it up and live within our means and Ron Johnson is a perfect example of somebody who understands that
1: all right (laughs) thanks for the call Tom Uh, the, the idea that we can't give money to the parents of the children who are struggling right now is a comical one to me, but we can give it to businesses. So we're going to do that. Uh, if you read um, uh, what, what some of the cares act did, it didn't give uh, a lot of that money to small businesses. A lot of really rich people got some of that money. So, um, I don't know why, why can't we as a society come together and go, you know what? If we started at the bottom and worked our way up instead of trickle down, why, why is that such a hard concept?
2: I don't know, Rick, Uh, but what I what I can tell you is that Ron Johnson, like all politicians, and this is the case for both parties, he finds convenient times to be worried about the deficit and the debt. And he's not the only offender in Washington on that. You know, he wasn't worried about the deficit and the debt when he voted for those Trump tax cuts that did, like I said, just the facts are that those did substantially increase the debt. Uh, And like you said, the defense budget. So Ron Johnson is not consistent in his concern about the deficit and the debt. And I'm not singling him out in any way. All politicians in Washington use the deficit and the debt to justify their votes at convenient times. But he's just no different than the crowd in that respect. He's just just no different than anyone in Congress in that respect.
1: And we're signaling him out because he's our senator here in Wisconsin, and he's the thumbs-down guy today. He takes the hit for the rest of the Senate, for the rest of the Republicans. Um, I will say the House just passed a motion to keep the government open. We talked about this last Friday. This was going to be breaking uh, you know, Friday news dump, that the government's going to shut down. The House voted that to, to avert a government shutdown. Imagine that. But now the Senate has to vote. And you think that, and you? we were talking before the show, one senator, and it sounds like it, it might be this Hawley guy in, in terms of just giving $1,200 to everybody, he can hold up the entire government? Just one senator can
2: do this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Senate is such a weird institution in many ways, Rick, but one of the weird parts about it is that one senator can really grind things to a halt. I mean, we've already seen that today with what Ron Johnson did and his objection to this plan to provide direct payments to people. But yeah, you know, one senator has enormous power. Any individual senator can really grind things to a halt. And so the question is, will the Senate be able to get a vote accomplished? on this measure to keep the government funded for uh, 48 more hours while negotiators finalize the, uh, the, uh, the remaining details on this COVID-19 deal. Should we,
1: should we at least be happy that we are, we are trying to pass something at this point? I mean, it's been, what, nine, nine months, eight months, seven months uh, since the CARES Act, since the government tried to do anything to help us?
2: oh absolutely rick and and I will note that Ron Johnson is uh and Mitch McConnell are not uh, in step with each other on this one. You know, Mitch McConnell has said that he's not going to leave Washington. The Republicans in the Senate aren't going to leave Washington until a COVID deal is reached. Ron Johnson, as we know, has been of the opinion that no additional assistance, no additional aid packages are are really needed. And so Mitch McConnell and Ron Johnson are are not uh, singing the same tune on this one. But I do think most of the senators and most of the members of the House are in agreement that some type of a deal is better than no deal and no one's going to be entirely happy with this deal i mean i think that there's a lot that both parties will dislike about the COVID deal that is being hashed out yeah but it, it probably is better than nothing
1: it is comical that because we, we kind of see the light at the end of this tunnel maybe i think I think in talking to some vaccine experts they they said August would be the time that we maybe we could start seeing a normal life. So we're not we're, no, we're nowhere near the end of this thing but uh we we do have a vaccine and now the now the Senate and, and the House are like at, you know, not deciding to to make a stand here we're going to try to help people. Um, I don't know, maybe, I I don't understand why now, why not like three, four months ago, but okay, I guess we can't complain, but we we probably should a little bit.
2: I think it's the increasing pace of cases and the increasing pace of hospitalizations, plus Rick, if we want to get back to those Georgia Senate races, Mitch McConnell has remarked that, the two candidates for the Republicans in those Senate races, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, he said that they are really getting hammered over the lack of a COVID deal. And so uh, Mitch McConnell is feeling the heat for those georgia senators in order for them to get reelected for the republicans for them to reach a deal on covid and certainly the democrats are looking for a deal as well so it seems like interests are finally aligning here
1: okay so you just you just let the cat out of the bag i didn't even think about that oh senator mitch mcconnell wants to help people now oh because the senate's on the line in georgia if it flips the democrats then mcconnell's no longer the leader of the, the senate
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that he's feeling a lot of pressure, and and his sense is that it is really damaging his two candidates down there. The lack of a COVID deal that they are really getting hammered on this in the campaign, and that just for the sake of those two candidates, they need a deal. Wow,
1: that's that's funny. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate you coming on again on a Friday and and helping us walk walk, walk us through some of the civics of this stuff. Uh, thanks a lot, Tragoski. My pleasure, Rick. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And and talking to us about the uh the the lack of uh star power in Hollywood right now for action movies. Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, seventy eight years old. All right, one more break. All right, welcome back to the Talk PMs. Uh just a couple of minutes left. I know I know Brett's been waiting. I want to get him on before we, we head out. Brett, go ahead. You're on the air, man.
0: Yeah, well, I got a, a response to two-cent Tom. You know, he, he forgets about the money that uh, Trump has uh, put toward the deficit, and that's all going to be on the backs of our grandkids also. But he doesn't care about that because it's Trump. Yeah, and it? also, the 16 people that voted for this $500 bonus for every county worker, mm-hmm. I just disagree, and I think they should be voted out of office. Um, I had a little spat with one county worker today that she said, you know, I, I'm on the back of every, you know, I'm, I'm behind your parents or grandparents in a nursing home. And, you know, I could have probably supported frontline workers, giving them a bonus. But the guy that's working at uh, County Park or on the, on the road crew, he didn't have to go above and beyond anything during covid and people like Steve Doyle and Steve O'Malley that just spend money senselessly—that's that's crazy. They spend five hundred and twenty thousand dollars for okay. every county. I mean, they spent five hundred twenty thousand dollars for county workers. I mean, those county, say,
1: well, Brett, those county every, workers are just middle class folks. It's not, you know what I mean? Like they're not. It's not like they're given money to. Weber or the quick trip owner or something like that, you know, I, the-
0: I don't disagree, but you know, they, they bitched about that. You know, well, there's a lot of quick trips and other factories that got that money, well, guess what? Them are private businesses. They're not in the taxpayer role. Um, they have a great retirement program. They have a great healthcare system that not a lot of people have in this County. And I hope Steve Doyle goes down in flames with this. Not only at the county level, but at the state level also. I've I've backed Steve Doyle. I've had his back. Done zero. He's gone. I hope.
1: All right. Thanks for the call, Brett.
0: Um, yeah, I, I don't
1: I don't have a problem with. It's funny you talk about the. I don't have a problem with giving uh, essentially a Christmas bonus to county workers. I mean, these are middle class people that that have been working through a pandemic, and everybody's struggling, and we're just going to give them a bonus. That, you know, when it's a little easier to point fingers when you're a taxpayer in La Crosse County and going, okay, well, my money is going directly to their pockets. Um, So so there's that, but your money is going to directly to everybody's pockets. uh, When nobody else is giving raises, it's still going to everybody else's pockets. It's just going to the pockets at the top of the food chain instead of the bottom of the food chain. And when you complain about county workers having a, a great retirement package or something like that, well, we should complain that all the other workers don't have a great retirement package. That's where we should be complaining. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.